Chapter Two of The Leopard's Claw by George Washington Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Young Moncrief seeks aid of brother. Driving through the vales and over hills, cross rivulets and creeks, over well constructed bridges, they cross Northumberland and reach Montroy Castle. The castle is a conspicuously well-built structure of sixteenth-century Gothic architecture, towering above the peak of a northern cliff. Viewing it from the main entrance, one sees the portico of huge marble columns of fifteen or sixteen feet high, and twenty by twenty feet square, and the flat roof of which is covered with lead. There are three roofs of the main building, about fifty feet high, are covered with tiles, the whole is surrounded by a semicircular wall, ten feet high of brick, which meets a segment of iron rails. Oliver drove up to the castle as the sun disappeared behind the distant hills. The cool summer breeze wafted the melodious, sweet musical interpretation of Scots who have we Wallace bled, Scots wha Bruce has often led, rendered by Lord Montroy's Scottish band picturesquely attired in kilts or plaid petticoats playing upon the bagpipes in the grand pavilion on the side lawn upon entering the grounds he found lord montroy holding the hand of georgiana his five-year-old daughter as they fed the animals of the menageries of his lordship's park after a warm greeting lord montroy detected that oliver's errand was more than an ordinary visit he bade Georgiana feed the mongoose as he and the uncle left for the castle. When they were seated in his lordship's private office, Lord Montroy inquired in his affectionate manner under what new difficulty was Oliver laboring. "'Harold, old boy,' Oliver exclaimed, "'I am in a bally-tight corner this time. Dad has turned me out penniless.' He then related the circumstances of his marriage and paternal denouncement to which Lord Montroy listened sympathetically. "'Where have you left your wife?' Lord Montroy asked, after he had heard the account. "'She is still with her parents, Harold, old chap. Expecting something like this, we precipitated the marriage before consulting you, for which I pray your forgiveness. We would like to have enough to go on to some other country, say Alaska, out in the American wilds, or Australia.' eva loves the country and we both have decided to try our fortunes in some foreign land until father relents if you can manage to help us get a start old fellow we will be very grateful lord montroy tried to discourage the idea of leaving england and promised to act as a mediator he also placed his country seat at roxborough at oliver's disposal thanking him oliver promised to remove his wife to roxborough villa with the understanding that Lord Montroy would use his influence to obtain a colonial appointment from the British Colonial Office in case the Earl of Dubly refused reconciliation. Parting from Lord Montroy in a happier frame of mind, Oliver rode through the evening shadows into the English frontier. Early the next morning, driving down a long country lane, they approached a large old brick mansion, the right wing of which seemed to be a recent addition, while the ivy vines covering the main structure partly obscured the ravages of time. A gravel walk on the side of which was bordered with beautiful flowered hedges led to the front entrance of the building. 
a slender girl in white revelling in the glow of health and sunshine ran down the walk with cheeks which rivalled the nearby primroses her heavy waves of dark brown hair escaping their confinement blew about her face in curls causing her conspicuously to display the little gold circle upon her third finger as she tried to brush away the mischievous curls oliver stopped the automobile leaped out and ran to meet her folding her in his arms she inquired about their fate they remained at the mansion until the late afternoon when with the last arvoir over they returned to the automobile and drove away as the twilight enshrouded the surrounding scenery after oliver's departure lord montroy entered his wife's boudoir lady montroy sitting in a graceful pose upon his entrance looked up from a book which she was reading a blonde of medium height she looked not to be over thirty her haughty bearing marred the soft lines of a very handsome face, sometimes causing her to appear comical with her rather redundant appearance. Lord Montroy seated himself in an armchair opposite and related his brother's marriage. "'You will do me a great favour, my dear,' he ended, "'by accompanying me to-morrow and making Eva feel welcome.' "'Never!' she exclaimed. "'I shall not visit the bankrupt squire's daughter.' Oliver might have married Lady Cliff, who is related to the Duchess of Roxborough, and would have acted as sponsor for our Georgiana when she makes her debut. My dear, you must remember that Eva Ennis comes from a very old and aristocratic family, even if they are poor, Lord Montroy replied as he left the room. He ordered his limousine, and directed the chauffeur to drive to Dubley Castle. He found the old earl still obdurate and after several futile attempts to reopen the subject of his brother's marriage he retired in a very crestfallen state leaving dubley castle early the next morning lord montre took the train for london End of chapter two